Jeremiah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, says these familiar words. It says, The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests of Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. And through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. When I was a kid, uh, most of my friends were not allowed to go trick-or-treating because we were Christians and we had a fall festival. How many of you came from the fall festival background? You had the fall festival. You, maybe you had to go dress as a Bible character, but you went to the fall festival. And uh, the fall festival was like alternate Hall- Halloween. Some people called it Hallelujah Fest because Hallelujah sounds kind of like Halloween. So it's like, this is our version of Halloween. But that's where all the Christians got together during Halloween. And, and we had the fall festival. My dad was a pastor, so we had to be at the fall festival. But every year, uh, me and my brother and my sister, we were a little late for the fall festival. Because before we head out to the fall festival, uh, my mom would sneak in a little trick-or-treating for us. And she would take us around the neighborhood and we would, we would do a round of trick-or-treating before we went to the fall festival. So we made an appearance at the fall festival, but we actually had done some trick-or-treating, but we couldn't let anybody know that we had gone trick-or-treating. So we would go around and we would fill our bags with candy and then we would dump them at the house and then head with empty bags to the fall festival. And as I got older, even as a kid, I I started to think it was weird, our response to this holiday where people went door to door and and got candy. And this is not a message about Halloween, by the way. I'm just saying a few things up front. We'll get somewhere. But I, I started to wonder, even as a kid, like the one time of the year where all of your neighbors are coming to you and you go somewhere else. All of your neighbors are coming to you and you turn your light off. Like if you went trick-or-treating, you knew that if someone's light was off, they were either mean and grumpy or a Christian or more likely probably both. (laughs) And it's like the one thing we're called to do is to actually let our light shine and we choose to turn it off when people are coming to us. It always just felt a little ironic to me and a little strange to me at this moment where you could meet neighbors. And I feel like it's a common thing in life that we actually miss these moments that seem insignificant but are actually moments that we can step into our calling but they don't actually look much like our calling in the moment. And it's, it's, it's one thing to miss a, a moment, but it, it's another thing to spend your life missing the moments that God has called you into. And as I study the scripture, one of my favorite things is to see these moments in scripture where kind of the, the pillars of faith, the big stories of the Bible, the moments where these people are actually called. But the problem when we start to talk about calling is that our minds automatically usually go into the idea of church or into ministry, that there are those that are called and those who are not called. And so I just want to clear up at the outset this morning that when we talk about calling, 
The, the calling of God on your life is simply God's invitation to you to do what he created you to do. It's his invitation to you to do what he created you to do. And there are some of you in this room who God created to start businesses. There are some of you in this room who God created to work in healthcare, in education, and in mental health. That, that the world that God has set you in is not a mistake. That, that you can actually function in your calling every day as you walk out the place that God has set you. It is simply his invitation to do what you were created to do. And that's why I love these stories of calling. I love the stories of, of Saul and Gideon who, when they were called, were in hiding. I love the story of, of David and Moses who, when they were called, were out tending someone else's sheep. I really love the story of Mary and Joseph who, when they were called, they were sleeping because I love sleeping, and I love that God can break into any moment, but I think there's so many of these stories in Scripture because we need real people to relate to when it comes to the calling of God on our life, that we need to see real people's reaction, that we actually need the entire story. We can't only know David as the giant killer. We can't only know Moses as the leader of a nation. We can't only know Mary as the mother of Jesus. We have to also know these people as people who were afraid and unsure in the moment of their calling. Because so often when we step into our calling, we find ourselves in that same place of unsure and afraid. And so often, the things that will actually get us off track when it comes to our calling are, are not the obvious things in our lives. They are kind of the, the hidden fears that lie beneath the surface. The things that we don't see, the things that we don't face, the things that we don't acknowledge. One interesting thing about this time of year is we, we kind of put out caricatures of the things that we are afraid of. And so you will see large ghosts and spiders and you will see things that people are obviously afraid of but we don't really talk about the fears that lie just under the surface. And that's why I love the story of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was an incredible prophet in his time, and he was called when he was very young. He was from a very small town outside of a major city. He came from a small tribe, so a small family, and he was very young. And yet the, the verses, the things that we quote from Jeremiah are some of the most bold and definitive statements that we have in Scripture. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. It's this definitive idea that comes from this young prophet that God actually knows the plans that he has for you, that he is sure of the plans that he has for you. And Jeremiah is this same prophet who says that the word of God is like a fire shut up in his bones that he cannot help but let out, that, that the word of God is actually so strongly burning within him that he cannot hold it in. But it did not start this way for Jeremiah. It did not start as a fire burning in his bones. It did not start with the certainty that God knew the plans that he had for his life. If you look again in verse four, it says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart, appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And here's his response. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, do not, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. See, before Jeremiah could get to the boldness of the word of God that was burning 
in his spirit. Before Jeremiah could get to the certainty of God knowing the plans for his life, he first had to face this under the surface fear that we all have to deal with to truly step into the calling that God has for us. And it's the insecurity that we carry. It's the insecurity that we carry in our lives. See, Jeremiah, being from a small town, being from a small family, being a young man, had every reason to feel small. He had every reason to feel like God could not use him. And so he has the response that is so often our response when God calls. See, often our response to God's invitation is our insecurity. That when God calls, when God invites us to step into the life that he has called us to, so often we respond with our insecurity or as it's often mentioned in scripture as the fear of man. And you may not think that you carry insecurity. You may think that you're a very secure person. The problem with insecurity is that it's not necessarily this obvious trait that we all carry. It makes itself known in different symptoms, that insecurity is the root cause, but, but the symptoms find themselves in our lives as certain fears that are a result of insecurity. And the first fear that we see is, is very clear even in this moment with Jeremiah, and it, it is the fear of what people will think. The fear of what people will think. See, the fear of what people will think of what God has called you to do will breed anxiety in your life. If you're only focused on how things will turn out, if you're only focused on what people's perception of you will be. See, what you may not realize is, is the book of Jeremiah is actually not written chronologically. It's a little out of order at times. And so what you don't actually know at this moment is that God is calling Jeremiah to actually speak some very sobering words to his nation that he's actually calling him to do a very hard thing that he knows will not be received well. There is no question about whether or not people will really be receptive to his message. He's being sent to give a message that he knows there will be opposition to. He's being sent to give a message that he knows will not have a good response, and yet God is calling him to go as he fears the response. See, I think so often we fear the response of our obedience rather than trusting God. But we fear the response to our obedience rather than trusting God. And, and I think it's interesting in that verse, it says, be not afraid of them. Do not fear man. And sometimes you have to kind of go back. I, I, I love the way that the King James Version says this verse. It says, be not afraid of their faces. Be not afraid of their faces. As someone who stands on a platform from time to time with a bunch of faces staring back at them, I can tell you this is a very applicable verse to someone who's being called to speak because sometimes you're looking at a hundred faces that are looking at you like, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what else I can say. I don't know if I need, are you not on my side? Do I need to try to get you on my side? But he says, do not be afraid of their faces. In other words, don't be afraid to stand face to face with your fear and still speak into the moment. Don't be afraid of their faces. See, he said, don't be afraid of their response. Pay no attention to their response. Pay attention to what I am calling you to do. See, what we have to realize is that God's intention for you is more important than man's response to it. That God's intention for you is more important than man's response to you. And so, 
in that moment, Jeremiah protests, and, and he begins where really we all begin. And it's another fear that, that makes itself known and insecurity. If the, first, if the first is the fear of what people will think, the second would be the fear of not being enough. That I'm simply not enough. I, I can't do it is how he begins. I can't speak. I am not enough. It breeds timidity. And, and he says, I can't speak. And it, it's familiar to us because we see throughout scripture, these moments where God asks someone to speak and their response is, well, I can't speak. You, you may be familiar with the story of Moses where Moses is also asked to go to Pharaoh and, and ask a very impossible task. And he tells God, I can't speak. I can't do it. I cannot speak. Isn't it interesting that the people who God gives the most to say need the most convincing to say it. The people who God gives the most to say actually need the most convincing to say it. They had the hardest time actually saying what they were asked to say. They had the hardest time actually doing what they were asked to do. See, too often we think that if we're wrestling with it, it must be wrong. If it's, if it's difficult, it must not be for me. If it's taking any wrestle, if it's taking any work, it must not be for me. And unfortunately, we live in a society that reinforces this idea that we should only do the things that make us happy and only do the things that make us comfortable. I, I, I hear so often people talking about finding their truth and then living in it. I, I literally saw someone on Instagram the other day that posted a, a, a beautiful flowery little photo that said, speak your truth so loud that it echoes back to you even louder and you can't hear the voices around you. And I thought that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Basically, what you're saying is speak so loud that your voice is the only voice you ever hear, that you live in an echo chamber where nothing, nothing ever challenges you. If it doesn't make me happy, I don't have to do it. Only listen to things that make me happy. Only listen to things that don't challenge me. My voice is the only voice that I need to hear. And it's a message that is reinforced to us time and time again that we don't necessarily have to do things that we don't want to do. The problem is that if we didn't do things that we didn't want to do, my daughter's diapers would never get changed. No relationships would ever be restored because it's hard work to restore relationships. See, the more you orient your life around things that only make you happy, the smaller your life will get. You think that your life will get better, but your life will actually shrink. Your life will actually get smaller. Proverbs 29 verse 25 says, the fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. The, the fear of man brings a snare. In other words, insecurity is a trap. Insecurity is a trap. It, it actually keeps you in one place. It makes it extremely difficult for you to move forward. See, insecurity is always looking for an excuse not to grow. Insecurity is always looking for a way out. Insecurity is always looking for a way that you don't have to take a step forward. I mean, do we really think that every person that God called in scripture who responded and said, I can't do it, do we really think that they were incapable of doing it? Or do we think that when they, when they saw what God had called them to, it seemed so impossible that they felt insignificant? I find it very hard to believe that every single person God called was actually incapable of doing and unqualified of doing what God had called them to do. The third fear that, that makes itself known in the way of insecurity is the fear of rejection 
that leads to an action. See, Jeremiah had a hard task. He, he knew that his words would not be well-received, and he was worried about the response. And this is why so often insecurity will lead to broken relationships. Insecurity will lead to broken relationships because you get so afraid that you will lose a meaningful relationship that, that you just decide never to enter into a meaningful relationship. That you, you know that if you invest too much time in a relationship and then you get hurt, you will have lost that time. So you don't invest that time. And so in that moment, God responds to Jeremiah's insecurity. And I don't know about you, but I tend to do what I think we all do when in response to someone's insecurity. Someone comes in, they say, I can't speak. I can't sing. I can't do. And, and, and your immediate response is to reassure them. I mean, you would think that in this moment where Jeremiah is like, God, I can't speak, that God would say, no, no, you are a great speaker, Jeremiah. You are a good speaker. Move forward. You are not too young. But Jeremiah says to him, he says, sovereign God, I I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone. I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them for I'm with you and I will rescue you. He does not say you are not too young. He does not say you are not a, or you are a good speaker. He does not reassure him in that moment. He just says, don't say you're too young. Just don't say you're too young. In other words, don't feed your insecurity. Don't, don't feed your insecurity. And then he goes on to say, go everywhere I send you. Say everything I tell you to say. See, if God had reassured Jeremiah in that moment, then Jeremiah would have stepped out in the confidence of his own ability to speak rather than stepping out in God's ability to give him the words to say. He would have stepped out in his own confidence to know that he knows where to go rather than following where God tells him to go. See, in that moment, God simply says, don't say that you are too young. Just go where I tell you to go and say what I tell you to say. In other words, step forward in my confidence that even if you can't speak, even if you can't do what I've called you to do, that I will give you everything you need to accomplish what I've called you to accomplish. But he starts with saying he's, he's incapable, and then he moves, of course, to I, I'm too young. And I, I love this one because so often we when we're faced with what God is asking us to do, it, it, we try to pretend like it's a timing issue. Like, it's just not the right timing. It's not that I'm not going to do it. It's just that the timing is off. Like, at this moment, the timing is off. God, I'm not saying no. I'll do it later when I'm better at it. I'll do it later when I'm more capable, more experienced. The timing is just off. It's not a no. It's a not yet. It's not a no. It's a not yet. The problem is that so often what God wants to do is develop you by using you. That he actually wants to develop what he's called you to do by using you. And so this is why so often he calls you when you feel unqualified. He didn't deny his qualifications because God is not looking at the same qualifications. He's saying, God, he's saying Jeremiah, I, I didn't call you to be a great speaker. I didn't call you to know everywhere to go. I'll tell you those things. I called you because I could trust you with the words that I give you. I called you because I could trust you to go where I've called you to go so that you move confident in my ability and not your own. So that you move dependent on me. See, if you thought that you had the words, you would rely on your words. If you thought that you knew the way, you would rely on your way. But if you know that I will give you the words to say, and if you know that I will tell you where to go, then you will always be dependent on me. 
And as you step out into the calling that God has for you, what he wants is your total dependence on him. So your understanding that you are dependent on God is key to shedding insecurity. It's key to shedding insecurity to know that I actually am dependent on God, that I actually am dependent on God to supply what I need to move forward. And I love that that Jeremiah does get past this insecurity, that he's able to make these bold proclamations that I know the plans I have for you. But I, I think it's very important, four things that God told Jeremiah in these opening verses that kind of reinforced him as he was heading out to tell the people what God was calling the people. First, he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Notice first that he tells Jeremiah that he is formed, that he is not an accident. He is not just the result of two people getting together that before you were in your mother's womb, I formed you. See, what's interesting about that is is that it, it may mean that your mother and father conceived you. It may mean that your mother carried you, but you are not a product of your mom and dad. You were formed by a creator before you were even in her womb. And see, some of us live out of this identity that we are formed by our parents when really we were formed before they even got involved. That God formed Jeremiah before he was even in his mother's womb. I recently heard someone say, God did not make you one way to use you another. In other words, the the way that God has made you, the the way that God has crafted you, your gifts and your talents and and the way that you see life and the way that you interpret life, that is actually the way that God wants to use you because he formed you for a purpose. Your personality and your gifts are all an indication of how God wants to use you. That You have to know that God formed you the way you are or else you will attempt to be someone else. And this is what insecurity so often drives us to do is attempt to be someone else, to look at someone else who is, is more capable, is more able, and just try to be that person, to try to mimic that person. But what you have to understand is that God created you as you are for your purpose. So, so if you are pretending to be someone else, God cannot use you to do what he created you to do. Because he needs your personality, he needs your gifting, he needs your skill set in order to do it. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. The first thing is that he tells Jeremiah he was formed. The second thing he tells him is that he was known. That God actually knew him. And this word for I knew you is not just like I knew you, like I knew who you were. This is an intimate word. It's actually the same word that's used in scripture when when the Bible says that Adam knew his wife Eve and and they conceived. It it is an intimate knowledge. It is an intimate term. And so what God is saying is that he knows Jeremiah. And, And if God knew you before you were born, and this is the same Jeremiah, by the way, that says God knows the plans that he has for the future. So if God knew you before you were born, and if God knows your future, how can you not trust God with this moment? The God that knew you and that knows your future. See, I think sometimes we go back to a moment in our past that disqualifies us for our future. But I think it's important for you to realize that God's knowledge of your past goes beyond the past that you are aware of. 
that you can go back into a moment in your past and say, this moment disqualifies me for what God has called me to do. But God goes past that moment and says, no, before you were even in the womb, before you were even born, I created you for this purpose. And so my past goes beyond your past, that I knew you before. In in, in other words, that, that you were created for this thing before you ever messed up. Before you ever disqualified yourself, I had already qualified you. God is saying that I knew I was going to ask you to do this when I created you. That I knew I was going to ask you to do this when I formed you. I made you with this assignment in mind. So so if God made you for something, don't tell him you're disqualified from it. Don't tell him you're unable to do it. Don't tell him you're not capable. See, some of you continue to be haunted by your past, but you don't know, realize that God knew you before your past, that before your moment of past, God knew you. Thirdly, he tells him that he is set apart. He says that you are set apart. And these words for set apart mean made clean or made holy. And, and, and what I think is important about this moment where he tells Jeremiah that he is set apart is that he is telling him that he is actually clean and holy and made ready for the moment that he is to step into. And what's important for us to realize is that you might think, yeah, but if I was made holy at my birth, if I was made clean at my birth, trust me, I have messed it up since then. And this is why it's so important that we understand why God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross. Because we were born a holy and a new creation. And Jesus makes it available to us to be reborn as a holy and a new creation. That as we enter into life with God, as we receive salvation, that as though we were born again, it's as though we are born afresh, that we are made new again, that God created you good and he recreates you good. That he created you good and he recreates you good day by day. And then finally, he tells Jeremiah that he is sent. He says, I send you to the nations. I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy, overthrow, to build, and to plant. I wonder how many of us step into our everyday lives. I wonder how many of us show up as our jobs. How many of us show up into our families as though we are sent to those families? as though we are sent to those jobs. That it's not just a place that we go, it's not just a place that we show up, but that we are actually sent to the places that God has us. That we are actually on assignment in the places that God has us. That we are not there by accident because you, 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 you show up differently when you're sent than when you just go. You, you show up differently when you sent. And we have to realize that we have all been sent to places to build and to plant. We have all been sent to places to grow and to steward. See, that's why that Proverbs 29, verse 25, the fear of the Lord brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. See, in order to really, truly walk in the calling that you are sent into, you have to first trust in the Lord. What I I think is so interesting about Jeremiah's story is that he goes on to preach, and, and he preaches for 40 years. And as far as we know in the scripture, he preaches for 40 years and there are two converts. 40 years and there are two converts. See, if Jeremiah had been so obsessed with the results, if Jeremiah had been so obsessed with with the results of his preaching, the results of his message, he could have easily been discouraged. 
But instead, he knew that he was sent. Instead, he knew that, that his, his responsibility was to preach, that his responsibility was to take the message, that his responsibility was just to carry out the obedience of that moment. I think so often we get caught up, we get caught up in, in the results. We get caught up in how is God going to use me? What, what are the results going to be? But Jeremiah was simply called to speak in that moment. And there were, there were people on the other side of Jeremiah's obedience. There were people who needed the word of the Lord on the other side of Jeremiah's obedience. And there are people that need to know the Lord and need to hear the word of the Lord on the other side of your obedience. There are people attached to the other side of your obedience. Throughout this church planting process, that's been one of the most amazing things to see is that as, as people show up and as people come, suddenly there is a, a web of people attached to other people. That just because someone showed up and decided to be committed, suddenly there are, there are other people that are here because of their faithfulness. There are other people that are here because they decided to show up. I think about Miro, we were hanging out yesterday and Ramiro and I had coffee well before the church was planted and there was like a dozen people meeting in our house. And Ramiro was real, real with me in that meeting. And he was like, is there gonna be anybody else that looks like me if I show up to your house? And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, brown. <laughs> and I was like, do you remember this? I was like, I was like, um, no, there's not. And there never will be if you don't show up. There never will be if you don't, but there will be if you, uh, there will be if you show up. See, so often we, we look for a place, we look for a place that meets all of our needs rather than showing up to a place and making it that place for somebody else. And now I, I can look across this room and we could, if we could spread the web from Ramiro, there's, there's probably 15 or 20 people in this room. That's a big percentage of people in this room that are somehow here because Miro started showing up at the house when it was uncomfortable, when he didn't know anybody else. And we, we hear stories all the time of someone who said, oh, I'm here because of someone else. I stayed because of someone else. See, you never know who's on the other side of your yes. You never know who's on the other side of your willingness to be inconvenienced for a while. You never know who's on the other side of your willingness to be uncomfortable for a while. But we have to always keep that mindset that there are people on the other side of our yes, that there are people on the other side of our obedience. See, the, Jeremiah, who boldly proclaimed that God said, I know the plans I have for you, a future and a hope to prosper you and not to harm you. He was boldly speaking those words to people who maybe would have never heard them if he had stuck with his intuition of, I can't speak. I'm too young. I can't do it. I'm disqualified. And I'm just telling you today that, that we need to be a people who show up like we're sent. That we show up every day like we're sent. That we show up every day like we're sent. It's not just another family dinner. It's not just another meeting. It's not just another ball practice. It's not just another get together. That in every moment we're in, we're sent. That, that we carry the word of the Lord with us for people if we're paying attention. And if we realize that he's called us. And if we accept his invitation. If we accept his invitation to do what he created us 
to do. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and stand to your feet with me all across this room this morning?